Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming to you from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. First things first, check out Let's Chat online at themisfitsnetwork.com. It is the wonderful podcast network we are on. And they just announced an amazing new show called The Hormones Podcast. And it's, uh, it's fucking great. We have, there's host Aaliyah Janine, who's uh, been on this show before, and Jackie. And it's the anti-feminist feminist podcast is how they describe it. It's, uh, work, check it out. And I will throw this part up there just for you. No one in the network has asked me to do this. I just happen to really, really like that show. And Aaliyah, who runs the network as well, has just been nothing but kind to me. So check out her fucking show. She's wonderful. Anyhow, we got Charlie Fertini. He was recently on Naked and Afraid. And I want to explain how this episode came to be. Before recording this show, before this, before recording this episode, I had never seen an episode of Naked and Afraid. And one day I look at Twitter and Peter... Venasuk, I don't know how to say his last name, but he's become a buddy of mine. He's so fucking awesome. He he guest host. He literally, honestly, this is his episode. I wish he did the intro. Peter organized this entire thing. He he asked Charlie on Twitter if he'd like to come on the show. Uh, Peter has his own two podcasts: Hydrate Level Four, I was on once, and the original remake, both on Follow and Films uh, Network, followandfilms.com. Anyhow. Uh, so Char- Peter said something on Twitter, asked Charlie if he'd like to come on this podcast, and then, like, wrote to me and said, so I watched Naked and Afraid. I like some reality TV shows. I like this episode. Obviously, I'm not saying no to a cool guest. And so, uh, I was like, well, Peter, if you, you know, you're the one who set this up, you have to come on. And Peter's a fucking great interviewer. Uh, his, he has two episodes recently, varying with this Varying, varying on when you listen to this, of Hydrate Label 4, where he does just uh, interviews. Usually it's a movie review, uh, but he actually had a guest that we had on here, Jessica Park. It's a wonderful interview, and I listened to that, and I was like, man, Peter's really good at interviews. And he actually mentioned me in that podcast, so that's always fun when you hear your name mentioned. Anyhow, um, this is just Charlie. I'm pretty sure he was at work when we did this, because he was outside... In, I think, New York City, you could hear a lot of background noise. He did the whole thing on his phone. Uh, you know, you have this view of how you think someone is. I'm guilty of it. It's a big, tough, ex-Marine guy. But even in the episode and on of the podcast and the show, like, he's a sweet guy. And he's a nice person. And he was so generous with his time to come on this podcast. I can't thank you enough, Charlie, for coming on. Uh, it's only about a half hour because his phone was dying. But, you know, find Charlie Frattini online at facebook.com slash charliefrattini. And he's got a lot of stuff coming up, and he's been on a lot of stuff. He's a great host. Probably one of the few uh, hosts and reality TV stars who spent a month in the jungle. That isn't Survivor, so this is actually real. Uh, anyway, just, man, check out his page. And also follow Peter on Twitter at uh, follow Peter's Twitter on uh, the Hydrate Level 4 podcast, on uh, HLF Podcast, or at Original Remake, and check out their network at followinfilms.com. And one more plug that no one asked me to do. Uh, so this show is free and will always be free. Be kind and make a donation to the Going Off Track podcast. We've had Stephen Smith and Jonah Bear, who were just so nice to come on the show, and it just meant so much to me, and I was listening to their episode today, and now they're doing a thing, give a buck for every episode you listen to, 
Go to goingofftrack.com, give them a buck. Uh, don't give me anything, because I don't feel like I deserve any money for this. But they do. All right, let's get to it. Yeah, so I was just watching you on TV like the other night, so it's kind of a trip to actually get to talk to you. <laughs> okay, well that's good. I was watching me on TV too the other yeah, night. That's so crazy. So like, so you're. Uh, I was reading your bio. You're from Brooklyn originally. I'm born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. That's correct. Yes. What part of Brooklyn? A place called Canarsie. Canarsie, Brooklyn. Oh, nice. Yeah, Brooklyn looks a lot different, I'm sure, now than when you grew up. Uh, it's still Brooklyn. It never changes. Brooklyn's yeah. always going to be Brooklyn. If you're from Brooklyn, you'll always be from Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. But now you're out in uh, Westchester. That's correct. I'm up in Westchester, New York now. Yeah, I like that area a lot. Uh, Beautiful up there. Good diners. That's all I remember whenever I travel through there. <laughs> they have a little more than diners, but yes, the yeah, diners yeah. are good. <laughs> yeah, a friend of mine went to like Bronxville, not Bronx, uh, Concordia. So remember we'd visit them in Bronxville, and then they go to like White that's, Castle. <laughs> that's correct. Yeah, good times. Awesome. So like, how it's, does uh, what's up, Peter? No, actually, Charlie, I was going to ask you, uh, what made you decide to even uh, apply for for the show, and can you talk about uh, a little bit about the process about trying to get on the show? Well, the hold on one second, guys. Um, the, uh, the to get and why did I apply for the show? Well, I first uh, the first time I saw it, I fell in love with the show, and it's just it was a challenge. Now you don't get a million dollars at the end of the show; you get a, a stipend, if anything. And uh, why would people want to do it? Well, you challenge yourself, the personal challenge. Why does somebody climb Mount Everest? Because it's a challenge. Why do people go and climb these cranes and take videos of themselves? Because it's a challenge. So why did I do naked in the parade? It was a challenge. That was the that was the main main one of the main reasons. The other one is uh, and that challenge. I wanted to see if I still had what I took as uh, as a marine and as a man. The other one is my father's in pain uh, constantly. He's 86 years old. He's he's up there and and he uh, he shows up every day for life. He, so he doesn't quit. So I wanted to to show my sons. And my father, that they have, that he has a son, and they have a father that also doesn't quit. Uh, I preach to my kids, you know, how to how to be men, and the only way to do that, even though you preach to them, is by practical application and showing them you don't quit. And that's uh, that's exactly why I went into the jungle to do this show. Was that your first yeah. time uh, in that part of the world? No, I had been in. Uh, I, first of all, I've been on TV quite often. Uh, I'm a I'm a TV host uh, by trade, and I'm the only TV personality that's capable of doing Naked and Afraid, and I'm the only TV personality that has the balls to do Naked and Afraid. Usually they want <laughs> craft services. They, yeah, literally, they want craft services. We, we saw it. They want it. No, you didn't. It was blurred, but okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, they, 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 TV personalities want to be coddled. Uh, I'm not that tight, and most people that know me realize that. Yeah, well, you they seem know to like break for type for a uh, TV host. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I have my own niche, and I'm, I'm fairly adept at it, and I like it. But uh, it wasn't the first time I was in that part of the world. I, I was trained in, uh, as a jungle expert in survival in uh, the Panama, and that's one country above where I was. So it, it was pretty familiar as far as the landscape was to me. That's so cool. How long no. were you a Marine for? 
I was a Marine for just over four years. Wow, that's and, awesome. Uh, but you, when you're a Marine, the things that you go through to become a Marine, yeah. uh, you know, they talk about hazing, uh, hazing in college and, and they talk about, uh, you know, how, how you, everybody has to get a trophy in, in sports and it just isn't that way in the Marine Corps. And that's why we're a brotherhood. You'll, you'll see people in the Army and they'll always say, oh, yeah, I was in the Army too. But then when you see two Marines get together, it's, uh, no matter what their age gap is, they have a bond that no other branch of the service really has. Uh, we've gone through a lot, whether you're uh, my father's day when he was a Marine in World War II and, and what he went through in boot camp and then the Marine Corps and what I went through in my day. And then you get a new Marine today that just graduated, although it might have gotten to be a little more sophisticated or smarter or less aggressive as far as uh, who can get hit and can't get hit um, today or, or not hit, but um, haze, we'll say. Uh, the, the difference is not that far apart that we're all Marines and we never forget it, whether you're a female or a male. Black, white, Asian, Indian, doesn't matter. You're a Marine first. So that, that's something that uh, doesn't matter how long you've been in or how long you were in or how long ago you were in. You're still Marines. Um, Charlie, when, when you were notified that you were selected as a contestant for the show, um, how much time did they give you to prepare or did they tell you what to prepare for or how did you even prepare yourself to, to go? Well, I didn't know where I was going until two weeks before I left. Um, but they told me about two months before I was select that I was selected to go. And how do you prepare? Well, I, if you don't have, if you haven't been preparing survival skills in your life as it is, you're not going to really be prepared for that. You're not going to learn it overnight. Um, I had had the survival skills and I've maintained them throughout my adult life because uh, I live in the woods now and I've always been a woodsman, I guess you could say, uh, where I've been prepared for how to survive. Um, but I did prepare by walking around a lot in the jungle, in the woods by me and on streets and roads by me, even though the country roads, to get my feet as calloused as possible because I knew that I wouldn't be able to wear shoes, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and then and no matter how much of a survivalist you are, I don't care who you are. You can be the you can be Bear Grylls. You can be any survivalist you want to choose. The most of a schooled survivalist in any part of the branch of the military or anywhere else. If you go into an environment and you panic, your survival skills will not work. I don't care who you are. So this this challenge is is more psychological than it is survival. Now I'm not downplaying or discounting the survival necessities uh, at all. It's very important, but. If you're not psychologically prepared for it or psychologically able to maintain your composure throughout it, then you will fail. What were uh, what was the hardest challenge for you during the 21 days? The hardest part was, without a doubt, dehydration. I uh, I had never been dehydrated in my life. People can say, "Oh, I'm dehydrated." You've never experienced dehydrating until you, being dehydrated until you actually are. That is, uh, that's, that's something that literally surprised the hell out of me. And uh, you become delirious. You become extremely weak, uh, lightheaded. Uh, you're unable to function. Your motor skills are – I was getting cut a lot, not through dehydration as much, but some of it was, uh, especially in the first two or three days. Uh, but you get you, 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 your motor skills aren't working properly throughout the whole thing. I'm, I'm and I, I consider myself very adept in survival and, and how to use weapons. But your motor skills don't work. And people say, ah, oh, this guy's an idiot. He keeps on cutting himself. No, you put yourself in the environment of very I'm used to three thousand calories a day. 
I'm getting 125 to 150. Oh. I'm used to drinking as much water as I want. I'm getting as, uh, whatever water I walk uh, three quarters of a mile through rocky terrain to go get. So it's not like, um, you know, it, 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 you can say what you want when you're on your couch. Uh, I used to say what I wanted when I was on my couch. <laughs> Being in the middle of it, it, it humbles you and it makes you realize that you really are at the mercy of what your body tells you you're going to do. So when you saw me cut myself, it was through a failure to have the proper motor skills or the proper thinking. You're not thinking straight. Your mind, your, your perception is you're thinking properly, but you're really not. And that's all due to the water, to uh, the, the lack of food and, and just the environment you're in. But the worst part was dehydration without any question. You want to screw somebody up, you don't need to waterboard them. You don't need to beat them. Deprive them of water for three days, they will be your bitch. I don't care <laughs> who they are. And so on top of being in the, the in Columbia, Without your clothing, you also had a partner you had to deal with. So, like, there's a whole psychological aspect of just meeting a stranger and being like, okay, let's survive together. How did you handle yeah, you, that? You, you don't meet the per you don't know the person prior to going into the jungle with them. You meet them at that moment when you're in the jungle. And so is it fair uh, to say that show's pretty, like, uh, of all the reality shows, I have to say it does seem the most real based. Uh, you know, it didn't seem like producers are feeding you guys lines and. Like, well, no, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a veteran of reality TV. I've been on uh, over 50 television shows as a host. Uh, the shows I've been on are about 70% reality. Uh, and then the other 30% is either scripted or set up. There are many reality shows. They're reality shows, but they're only about 30% reality, and about 70% is scripted or set up. That's the nature of a reality show. Naked and Afraid, as I always say, is the most real reality show on TV. I've been on reality shows. I can tell you that uh, this is, without question, a real deal show. Uh, it's about 95 to 98% reality. Now, that 2 to 5% is when you see me with my parents. So you see us talking and getting ready to go. It's not, there is zero, zero on Naked and Afraid is scripted. Zero uh, percent, maybe 0.01% is, is scripted, okay, which is relatively zero as far as I'm concerned. So nothing on Naked and Afraid is scripted. But there are parts of it that are set up, and the parts that are set up are the, when you see me with my parents, or we see us packing to go on the airplane, it's not set up, but it's to, it's to give the open of the show and, and present the show and the person that's on it. When you see us driving in the Jeep or the truck to our insertion point, it's not set up. Oh, it's not, it's not scripted. Everything I say is me saying it. Nobody's putting words in my mouth. I'm not reading it from a piece of paper, and I don't have eidetic memory that I can just memorize something. It's just it's what it is. But the scenario of driving in is a setup for the the presentation of the initial part of the show. Once I get off that truck and once I take my shirt off, from that moment on, it is 100% reality. They don't give you food. They don't give you a peanut. They don't give you a, a candy bar. They don't give you water. They don't give you a, a beef jerky. You get no idea where your food is. They don't say, look over here or look over there. They don't help you capture an animal. They don't give you shit. And you are literally on your own. 
In, on the show, they show that late at night, you know, with the, uh, the the night vision cameras, you guys are recording yourselves. When does the camera crew actually show up on set to start filming, and when do they leave? And how are are they hydrating and eating during that duration? The camera crew shows up around eight thirty, nine o'clock in the morning. They leave approximately four o'clock, three thirty, four o'clock, depending on the time of year. Uh, by us, it was by four o'clock. They were pretty much out unless something was going on. They were out of the jungle or heading out of the jungle. Uh, we were about nine, ten miles into the jungle, which is a really long, long way, um, especially when you have no shoes, no clothes, no food, no water, and you can't go anywhere because there's no place to go. Uh, they would, they were not. This, I, I've worked with quite a few production teams. These are uh, the most professional. Now, I'm not discounting the professionalism of the other production teams, but these production teams are the most professional I've dealt with simply because they're in the exact same environment I'm in for the time that they're there. And they're doing it with a camera on their shoulder, and they're doing it looking through the viewfinder of a camera uh, or carrying a 25-, 30-pound sound bag. So they are there from about 9 in the morning to about 4 in the afternoon. Then they leave. They don't drink in front of you. They don't eat in front of you. They don't smoke in front of you. They're not permitted to. They are vetted out as much, if not more, than the contestants on the show or the challengers on the show, the survivors. They have to have maintain the confidence level of the intent of Naked and Afraid that the producers set forth when they, when they started uh, with the production of the show. And they do it. And they do it very, very, very well. They will. The hardest part, it's hard for me not to eat. Can you imagine being a member of a production team, watching somebody literally, not say starving, but needing sustenance of food and water and not being able to give it to them? Yeah. It's not easy. It's not easy for them. And they take it personally because there's a bond that's set up not only between the partners, my, like Danny and myself, but between the crew. We don't talk. There's very little talking. There is some, but very little. Uh, but there's a bond that's established because you're seeing us go through a traumatic ordeal that you can't support. You just have to film it and keep your mouth shut. And they do it. Was there um, anything, that, uh, any like disagreements that you and Danny had that was not shown on TV? No. Uh, it, I'm there 21 days with Danny. Uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for 20, for three weeks. We, have to, we're, we are, if in that time frame of 21 days where we were together every minute of those 21 days, if we were apart from each other greater than four or six feet for – I'll say within eye distance of each other even, for an hour total in those 21 days, it's a lot. So did we argue? Um, We had minor disagreements, and that's what, you know, the editing process is the editing process. You have to remember no matter what we're going through, it's still a TV show, and they're still editing for a TV show. And I, I can't dispute the editors. I have no uh, I have no ill feelings or negative comments about the way it was edited. If I said it and I did it, it's true. If I don't believe what I what I needed to say or do, I wouldn't have said it. So everything you saw was real. Now, you saw three argument, three disputes. I would even consider them minor disputes, mm-hmm. but three disputes through a 21 day ordeal. That's really about all we had. Wow. Um, so it, in, in the grand scheme, you're looking at a 44 minute window of thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of videotape. So, OK. 
and and it it it, it was edited that way, and, and it was actually successful because it was a good show. It showed a transformation of two people who had certain ideals and 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 visions, and the both of us were able to change our ideals or change our opinions in the matter of that time frame where we became supportive of each other. Yeah, that's pretty awesome because on Twitter, I'm, I you know I told you myself that you know it was really nice to see for how well you guys bonded because too often you know already this is taking a physical toll on you and for you to you know not you but for when contestants don't get along it's, it's got to hurt emotionally because now you just feel not only are you depleted of energy now you have somebody that's not wanting to work with you because of a disagreement so i think it was it was really awesome to see you guys be able to you know work things out and to be as close as you did uh, yeah, we did. We, we we did work things out. And you remember, I'm a little older. I've been I've been around a little bit. There were there were times that I, I, I build high rises for a living, man. Uh, I'm I'm in the most dangerous market in the United States, which is New York City. There have been more construction workers in New York City that have died in the last six months than policemen and firemen. And I'm not discounting and saying that those jobs aren't dangerous. Of course they are. But construction workers have an equally dangerous job. I'm the leader of those men. I speak to people in a certain way out of care, out of concern. It's because I don't want anybody getting hurt on my projects or any other project. And I make sure, my job is to make sure everybody goes home every day safely, not only to get the building built, but to be safe. Um, so not only that, but before that, I was in the Marine Corps. job was to keep people alive. Uh, and trained to keep people alive. So you speak a certain way. You're in charge. You're the boss. You're the you're the senior member. When we went into the jungle, I was I'm 53 years old. She was 25. Uh, I turned 53 on the show. I wasn't speaking harshly to her, and I and she and she realizes that. And I, I, we have no ill feelings. So we're actually very good friends. But um, you know, at the time, people can look at it and say, "Well, he's speaking harshly." My mind was uh, that. She, she was not feeling well. She was tired. She was uh, a little bit lethargic. And my thing was, I need to help her because she is my partner. And it didn't come out of my mouth that way, but that's what was in my mind. And seeing it on television for the first time, I didn't say it properly. And, and I realized it through the show. You have to, we have to amend how we speak to each other. Because there were times, if you watch it, that she would speak to me and say, you're not listening to me. You're not doing what I say. I didn't respond and say, you're speaking to me like a child or a dog. I just said, no, uh, I'm older. I'm a little bit more experienced in life, and I've seen things a little bit more than she has. And I recognize it, and I didn't I didn't react the way that she did. And I, but I don't fault her for it. She felt the way she did for whatever reason, which was a part of her life. And I learned to respect that. When I put the, the, the snails back, nobody told me to put those snails back. Nobody said, Charlie, can you do this for the episode? It's good for the show. It was not, We are not interacted with in that way. I put them back because I was talking to her. Now, I didn't necessarily believe it. I, I made that point clear, but I respected it. And when you look in her eyes and you see that, that, that feeling for it, it's like, you know what? I really don't need them. So uh, that's why they went back. And I was very careful to take what I was going to eat and eat everything I took. Don't take more than you need and, and waste it. So uh, it, it was a very good partnership, and we learned to work together very well. You have to know something that we, we looked at. If you watch the show, now I, I did the first time I saw it. I've done over 50 shows. Normally I see them before they go on the air. So I watched it as a viewer just like you did. If you watch the show, how did we, how did we get together as a team? 
everything we did, even when we were arguing, we were together and looking over each other's back to make sure we were safe. Watch the show again, especially the end. Who got to the boat first? Neither of us. We got there at the same time. Who got in the boat first? Me, only because I was a little bit stronger. But I didn't sit down. I was fucking, excuse me for person. I was exhausted. Oh, that's fine. Well, I was fucking exhausted. I only had a, one mango to eat in two days. One mango. And they made me walk miles to get to my to make a, sh a raft. Got bitten or stung by bees, which was real. Had to make the raft. It took us 10 miles to get out of this stupid jungle. And then they made me swim more than a half a mile to a boat because the boats couldn't come into shore because of the waves we had and that was real nobody towed me out nobody said we're going to help you nobody dropped me off halfway and then said go ahead and go it was from start to finish and we finished it at the boat at the same time not because i was a slower swimmer or she was a slower swimmer that's the way we worked when i got in the boat i didn't sit down and say because i was fucking exhausted and sit down and say i'm tired somebody else will get her up in the boat for, well, look, you watch. What's the first thing I did? I got up and I went to get my partner. That's We're partners from the beginning we walked in to the time we walked out of that jungle. Yeah, I thought that was a really touching moment, too, with the snails and you put the snails back. I really liked that, too. I was like, because it's so rare in any anywhere where you can find two people who may not just agree on something, but then, like, you guys didn't agree on something, but you still got along and you listened to each other and you're like dehydrated in the jungle. It's just the two of you. I'm like, I work in an office and we get in bitchy arguments about nothing all the time. And I was like, damn, these two, <laughs> they figured it out. Well, yeah, it, it's not, it's not an easy concept, but you have to respect each other and you have to respect the beliefs of each other. And that's maturity helps that. And she was, she was a very, she was very strong in her skills. I, I was, I consider, you know, I, the frog she got for me, you know, that, that, that was touching to me. Just know that one frog is not something that was going to keep me alive. I had been eating a little bit of things. I've been eating snails and things like that before that. Um, and I had other toads. It wasn't a frog. It's a toad. I had other toads before that as well, but, See, those toads that I caught, I caught them and I killed them. I promised her I would kill them quickly. I ate them all. I didn't let a piece of it go to waste. I used their skin as Band-Aids, uh, things I learned in the Marine Corps. But they didn't show those, and why didn't they show those? Well, Charlie caught those toads. Um, the toad she got for me was more important than the ones that I caught because here's a woman that will not allow me to, to kill a snail, yet she gave the life of the toad up for her partner. Okay. She, I mean, I, I needed, I hadn't eaten in like three days. All I had was uh, some leaves, uh, some figs and, and, uh, and, and a couple of mangoes. So she, and a few snails, of course, the snails were pretty plentiful, but she, you know, she, she was, she sacrificed her belief for me. So we worked together and, and I didn't ask her to give me that toad. I didn't even know she had it. That was one of the few times she went for a trek without me. And, but she did it because she thought of me. I climbed the mango tree that she needed. She was eating fruit, no meat. I climbed the mango tree and fell out of it. What did I do? I climbed back in when they asked to climb back up. But after falling nine feet, eight feet, why do you do it? Why are you going back up and getting going back up in that tree again? I said, my partner's eating pot. There was no, it was a platonic relationship. Uh, people think, they always ask me, oh, did you have sex? No. First of all, she's old enough to be my daughter. That's number one. Number two, you're filthy. You got ticks all over you. You got ant bites, mosquito bites. You, you, guys, you're men. You want to have, you want to fool around, have sex. 
you take a shower before and after? You want to smell at least halfway decent? You want to look halfway good? That's not an environment for that. We weren't there for that. And the people that think that way, it's a curious question. But the people that think that way are pretty narrow-minded. It's not. That's not what we're there for. Um, and as far as I know, and I know many of the survivalists that have completed this, that's not what anybody was there for. We all had our personal reasons to be there. There's probably a lot of other reality shows you can go on if you want to get laid, and this doesn't seem like one of them. Right. No, absolutely not. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if you want to do that, on. you can do it somewhere else. This isn't yeah. the place for it. Go to the Bachelorette or wherever the hell that shit is. Right. <laughs> hey, Charlie, did they, did they did not give you like an injection like in boot camp or something that would prevent like erections or anything? Injections? No. It, it, it's again, it's maturity, guys. You know, uh, I, I, I'm 53 years old. I turned 53. You don't think I've seen naked girls? You don't think, you know, does it intrigue me? No. I mean, come on. I, I'm a man. I wasn't there for that. Um, uh, it, when I was uh, 23, maybe, yeah, like, oh, yeah, let's look at a naked girl. But even then, after the first five minutes, they're like, shit, I'm getting eaten to death out here. And, right. uh, and, and you know, I'm not interested. There's no, there's no desire. Uh, during, during the entire process, did they ever uh, reveal how you guys were paired up? Was it like a random selection, or how did they go about choosing your partner? Um, I, I, they, they chose, the production team chooses how we're paired up. They have a certain thing in mind. They do want opposites. They want not conflict, but they want to get a diversity in the people. Um, and I just want to say one thing in case my phone does that. I want to say that you know, one thing they didn't show was I caught an armadillo on the, on the episode. Uh, we were walking in, and as we're walking into the jungle, we didn't know where our camp was going to be. I was our first stationary place. And uh, as we're walking in, we're, we're about um, two miles into the jungle, and, and we had to go about 10. But two miles into the jungle, and I see, you know, actually, Danny saw an armadillo running into a hole. So I jumped up into the hole and put a stick in it and grabbed the, scared the armadillo out. And I'm jumping around through the jungle naked on top of this armadillo. And this is just about two hours into two or three hours into the beginning of the show. Now I have this armadillo in my hand and it was a cute little thing. And I'm saying to myself, all right, I, I just had a big breakfast. It's the first day I got this armadillo. And if you've never seen an armadillo, they got nails that are like like spikes and they're about three inches long. So. What do I do? Do I kill? Now, she, she was a vegetarian, of course, but what do I do? Do I kill this armadillo? Now, it's about 104 degrees. It's going to spoil very quickly. I'm not hungry. I can't take it and put it in my bag to save it till when I get to where I'm going because my junk is right there and it would tear the <laughs> shit out of me. So what do you do? And you make a decision. I let the armadillo go. Not because she, the production company was like, did you let it go because Danny's a vegetarian? Did you let it go because you knew you bothered her? No, I was in care and control of that armadillo. I'm not going to kill an animal just for the sake of killing it. Knowing that how many times have you seen the show and they killed snakes and then they didn't treat it right? They didn't even have mm -hmm. a fire. Why kill it? It, it? It's no reason to. You don't need it, so don't kill it. I did go back looking for that stupid armadillo, but he never showed up again because uh, he would have gotten killed next time. But he he got a second chance at life. That's excellent. Well, before we lose you on your phone, uh, where can people find you online? I know you have a new show coming out as well, too. 
Well, I have, I have, I'm working on a couple of shows. Uh, I, again, I've been on television for a while now, and uh, I'm trying to get another, another production gig going on there. Uh, I have been a, a guest on a, uh, another show, which I can't reveal now due to a non-disclosure agreement, but it will be coming out sometime in the end of July. And it's, it's my second favorite show on television. I have two shows that I watch religiously. Naked and Afraid is number one. This other show is number two, and I, I got myself onto it, and it's a pretty exciting, cool show. It's a one-off. I'm only on it for one episode. I'm not even me. I, well, I am me, but uh, it's not about me. I just got onto it, and, oh, and I'm very awesome. happy. I'm very happy to have gotten onto it. That's so great. Are you all you reality people? Are you all friends? Because I, I know one of the Amazing Race people used to come into my old work all the time. Um, not really. I, I'm friends. Not friends. I've met uh, quite a few of them. I've met uh, Mike Rowe is probably my favorite guy. Oh, you, uh, I love that he's, dude. He's he's an amazing guy. He's a great man. Uh, he is what he is on television. I, I will tell you that on TV, people are not the way they're perceived or presented. They are many of them uh, that I've experienced are assholes, and they're perceived as wonderful people on TV. But when you meet them in person and their real true colors come out, and you're not a fan but you're a coworker, they're assholes. Um, Mike Rowe is not an asshole. He is exactly the way he's perceived and presented on television. He's a nice guy. He's just a nice guy. Um, but as far as the uh, 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 reality TV people getting together, no. I'm friends with my old co-hosts. I have quite a few of them now. Uh, there's some one that I'm not too friendly with, uh, but uh, most of them I'm friendly with. And, uh, you know, if we meet each other, it's more of a competition thing. I'm in less competition because I'm better than all of them. That's there's nobody true. that can compete with me. So, <laughs> yeah. listen, what other reality TV person will get naked, first of all, and then do it in front of a camera, second of all, and third of all, try and do it on a jungle with no food or water? Nobody. Nobody. Uh, Charlie, thank you so much for coming on. This is a ton of fun. No problem. And just have people go to the Facebook page. They can follow me and see some more of the exciting things I'll be doing. Absolutely. Keep up the good work, man. This is awesome. All right, buddy. Have Take a good night. You guys. Good night. Thanks, Charlie. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Charlie.